Welcome back to the Present History Podcast. This is the second part of our fascinating conversation with Joanna Grahovich. So if you haven't already listened to part one, make sure you go and do that so you can kind of know what's going on. But if you have already, sit back and enjoy. just so fascinating i'm just so interested in in this because this is an area of history that i haven't really studied too much so it's fascinating to mm. hear the stories of the history but then also your own experiences of researching it it is it's just fascinating to me so oh good yeah. i well i hope i'm not drawing on i you know it's one of those things where you where you think i'm fascinated by this yeah you know so other people must be as well and then you realize that you've been you know a complete boar, a polar boar. No, <laughs> no, no, not at all. Please don't sit me next to her next time we're at dinner. I don't want to, <laughs> actually, I don't do that. I, I make a point of not doing that because I, I do realise that, you know, it's something that it's, it's my, you know, my area of interest. It's not everybody's, although surprising how many people are, are interested in polar history. Yeah, no, and I think that there are some elements of it that are quite transferable. So even if people aren't necessarily interested in the history of it per se, they're they're interested in the the stories of the people and the the heroic adventures and the adversity, and they can connect with that yeah. even if they don't really mind about the history too much. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They they are just terrific stories. They mm. they. You know what I what I love about them is you know a, a, from a from a writing point of view, I can't imagine writing fiction because these are just you know perfectly contained adventure stories with incredible plots, tension. You know the 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 cast of characters are brilliant. You know they've got perfect all the elements of a, of of great story, and I think that um, you know a lot of a lot of history, obviously, is storytelling, and um, these stories are. I, I don't think we will ever get sick of hearing about these polar adventurers. They really are some, you know, pretty crazy stuff went down. You know, it is incredible. Mm. It is incredible. And you you write narrative nonfiction, so you're taking the nonfiction elements and you're making them into a story, a readable narrative. What What's that process like of taking well, your research and making it into a story? Yeah, I think that there's real, there's real, um, I think a lot of people enjoy the, you know, they have that, uh, the, the, the pleasure of the narrative form. It's certainly something that I think makes the stories accessible to, to, to younger readers anyway. And even though I don't set out to write for younger readers, but I want to make the stories accessible. I want them, ideally, I want adults to share them with children, you know, whether that's reading them together or sharing them. Or um, I know a lot of adults read the books as well because they don't necessarily have an understanding of the stories and they, you know, they find it's a great introduction to um to the topic the narrative form i think is really interesting because 
um, it allows the story to live in a way that the story doesn't necessarily live in a in a strictly you know in a, a historic you know a historical account you know more of a nonfiction. I think the the term narrative nonfiction is is quite tricky. Uh, there are a lot of writers that I know that do similar stuff. They take a you know a historical pers- um, uh, person, uh, historical events, and they turn them into a novel. And they often refer to themselves as um, writing historical fiction. And I think that's wrong because unless they're inventing a whole lot of stuff, which and some of them do, some of them feel. Um, that if details are missing, if they don't know what happened, uh, if there's no documentary evidence, uh, then they they are perfectly uh, at liberty to invent. And that's something that I will never do. I, I think if there's something that I cannot um, find evidence for uh, in the narrative, then I won't include it. I don't yeah. believe in suggesting things that didn't happen or... I don't believe in uh, speculating. Luckily for me, I'm I'm working in an area, as I mentioned before, there's a there's a lot of material, there's a wealth of material here. I don't feel the need to invent anything. Uh, one area that I'm possibly, you know, pushing the boundaries a bit is in the reimagining dialogue. And dialogue plays a part in my books because I think that it breaks up the breaks up the narrative, but it also introduces a bit of a dynamic a dynamic quality to the story that um, I think lifts it too for a for um, you know again it's making the story more accessible. The dialogue that I that I use, the dialogue that I suggest or reimagine that all always has a basis in in historical fact so for example um in the shackleton book there's a there's a conversation that takes place between um dr macklin one of the uh, one of the medical guys uh on on the expedition and his tent mates about scurvy and this conversation, uh, I have imagined it. Uh, it's I'm putting words in the mouth of of these of these real life people, but uh, it's based on a document that I found in the archive, written by Dr. Macklin uh, several years after coming back from Antarctica, and he describes how uh, they discussed. Scurvy. They didn't understand uh, what caused scurvy in those days. They didn't. the The whole science around vitamins and nutrition was was in its infancy, and they were discussing why it was that penguins and seals didn't get scurvy, but humans did. So this discussion that I've recreated, it would have taken place. I'm pretty certain within you know, the parameters that have set out. I know that they spent a lot of time in the tents when they were living on the ice flow. They were talking a lot amongst themselves. They were talking about food all the time because they were hungry and they were bored. So I know that they were talking about food. I uh, I know who Dr. Macklin's tent mates were. 
I know what their personalities were and what their various interests were and what they were likely to say in a conversation about scurvy. So this is this is a sort of a process of triangulation. And, you know, from a strictly, you know, if I, if I was to adhere to, you know, a historian's code of practice, I might not feel at liberty to imagine a conversation, but I feel that I have adequate backing and I've got the documentary evidence to support um, everything that I've put in there. So does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. No, it's it's fascinating. I've I've spoken to other people who write narrative nonfiction and they they more go for the essence of the people or the essence yeah. of the the situation. But for you it's very much more kind of retelling the history in a engaging narrative story style. Would would you say that that's kind of correct? Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And it's using a um it's a third person narrative. Uh you know, the and I uh, uh, work between perspectives. So I've got the ability to go into a different character, you know, not during the same episode necessarily, but I, I allow myself that luxury to be able to spend time with individual um, people and take their perspective for a particular time. The other thing that I've done... Um, that might be sort of non-standard is I've written it in the in the present tense, which makes it um, gives it a sense of immediacy. And also, I think what's interesting is certainly while I'm writing it, I kind of feel like anything could happen. If you're writing in the present tense, it hasn't happened already, yeah. and so it yeah. kind of keeps you in the moment, which is. And it gives the reader quite an interesting experience as well. Um, I think that's important too for for the for the younger readers um, because there's always a sense of what's going to happen next. We don't know. When I was writing the um, the Scott book Into the White, I had a, a sort of interesting. Um, experiences you know in in an in an in, you know from the point of writing it and that I kind of hoped that Captain Scott Bertie Bowers and Edward Wilson would survive you know I kind of thought well maybe they will yeah you know yeah. it's a really strange it's a strange thing you're not you're not trapping your characters if you if you're writing in the present tense, you're not trapping them in this historical, you know, the jaws of history. It somehow feels open ended. It somehow feels like anything could happen. And I think that that's something that comes through in the narrative because readers have contacted me and said, "But I was hoping that they were going to live." <laughs> <You know? laughs> so that's quite nice. I think the other thing is with my books. I want to I want the story to be as compelling as possible. I want the chapters to be short. I don't want to linger too long um, on on and you know on landscape or you know it's got to be punchy and it's got to have good forward momentum because these men were doing stuff that was you know it was 
it was there was lots of thing lots of things happening and I think that you want to convey that sense of of mission as well they're very ambitious they had a they had focus as well and and that I I hope comes through in the narrative absolutely and and when you're when you're writing it do you try and include like every single thing that they did or are there moments where you you say I'm going to sideline that moment or not discuss that moment for the sake of the overall story of the of the overall narrative I try to include everything I possibly can without being I mean there's a lot of I mean, having said that, you know, these men are very focused, there's always a lot of things happening. There's also a lot of waiting around. And that was one of the challenges with writing the the Shackleton book is how do you make time pass? Yeah. You know, when they were six months on the ice and nothing, you know, nothing doing, you know, they were being blown northward, but actually nothing happened. They were lying around in their tents, you know, talking about food and scurvy. So wow, um, yeah. that's the other thing is the challenge of making time pass in, in a polar environment. And and you don't have necessarily that that day-night thing happening either because, you know, you've got 24 hours of daylight. Yeah. <laughs> so there are yeah. challenges with with conveying that that kind of level of boredom and inactivity as well as these moments of excitement where people go through the ice or people are are you know being chased by a leopard seal or you know the ships going down you know the men you know there's there's there, there are lots of moments to carry that 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 kind of I, I don't want to say boring but the, those longer stretches of time you can always um, focus in on detail you know a meal for example you know what what it meant to to eat a meal prepare a meal you know what's it like to flince a seal you know they've hunted the seal how do they get it back to the camp when um, the the sea ice is opening up you know leads between them and they can't they can't move this creature you know what does it feel like to to um, to cut up a penguin and have to select you know what what parts do you eat you know things like that can actually fill up a whole lot of pages as well and yeah. in a in a light way you know and not in a not, not in a ponderous sense but you know in a in an interesting way and i think that's what carries um a lot of weight in the stories of the little details the things that don't necessarily get um conveyed in more conventional retellings because they're telling the bigger story so it's almost like telling the story in details rather than telling the story as this big epic journey. Yeah, no, it's, it's really interesting. And, and when you're writing, do you find that you have like a particular anecdote or a particular part of the story that you're like really looking forward to writing? Um, yeah. And does that happen at all? Yes, it does. And, and you know, when you come across them in the, in the research and you think this is, this is just brilliant. This is perfect. Yeah. Um, there are often the episodes I think that have a lot of humor in them because mm. there, you know, there are so many moments of sort of drama and danger. When you come across something that's actually quite a humorous episode, you you cling to that because that can that can lift the narrative, that can sort of uh, you know get a bit of oxygen in there when you need it. And um, and I certainly think that that's 
uh, one of the aspects that appeals to younger readers too. You know, they want to, they want to have a bit of a laugh. You know. Absolutely, absolutely. No, it is. It's all incredibly fascinating. It is very interesting to me as well. And and so, as a sort of final question, um, what would you tell your younger self about writing, about studying history, um, that you've now learned? Well, rather than saying it to myself, I would, I would, uh, I would definitely tell my two sons. I've got a 20-year-old and a, an 18-year-old, and neither of them are studying history. Um, and I suspect that they, uh, they think it's pretty dry. And that's one of the things that I've tried to um, combat in my writing is, you know, conveying this idea that that history is not dry. It's not about events. It's not about dates. It's about people. It's about lived experience. It's about lives, real lives. And I think that it can really contribute to our um, modern, you know, in our, in our contemporary setting. It can um, uh, help develop empathy. And that's something that I think uh, a lot of people a lot of young people don't realize they think the history is kind of like, oh, that old black and white stuff. You know, it doesn't have any relevance to our lives. And I think that that's uh, a lot of that, you know, perhaps can be combated in, in the way history is taught in schools and the subjects that that um, the topic areas that 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 history um you know, in the in the curriculum, the areas that are are going to be investigated. I think we we really owe it to our kids to make history as exciting as possible, and um, to highlight those areas that perhaps younger people are interested in, um, rather than the areas that we have classically you know been attracted to because we've always studied them at school. Uh, I think that history is um, is critical to our understanding of, of you know it places us in a context as well. Uh, New Zealand is, is um, not a doesn't have a very long history in terms of you know European colonization, but um, the, the the number of stories that we can we can tell each other about lived experience really uh, adds texture to our lives, places us in context, and I think gives people a grounding in, in identity. And I think that's really, really important for young people nowadays. Absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. It's been a, a pleasure to have you on the podcast. So thank you. It's been a pleasure uh, joining you. Thank you so much, Zach. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Present History Podcast. If you want to find out more about Joanna Grahovich and her work, you can visit her website at joannagrahovich.com. The link will also be in the description. You can follow her on Twitter at grahovichj, also linked down below. And you can find Shackleton's Endurance, an Antarctic survival story, wherever you buy your books. Thank you very much for listening. Make sure to follow us on all social media platforms so you can keep up to date with everything that we're up to. There's plenty more exciting content just around the corner. And we'll see you in the next episode of the Present History Podcast. <laughs>